0: Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another edition of the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody is prepared for what I'm about to bring to you today, but not so much even me bringing it to you. There's an incredible woman that goes by the name of Julia Elhot. She is a creative masterpiece. She is someone whose voice I think has been resonating with me and tons of people in the LinkedIn community the way she writes is sort of like listening to a homeric verse and watching the ariadne thread spread through the 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 i can't even think of the right words right now i apologize for that but she is an incredible aspiring leader that brings together people ideas organizations and products systems and tools she has an unbelievable way of of seeing the world that straddles both the east and the west we're going to get into the her writings the way she thinks and i guarantee you you'll be just as inspired as i am today julia thank you so much for being here today how are you feeling today
1: i'm good and thank you everybody should be introduced that way so thank you very much <laughs> thank you very it's, much
0: of course it's it's What drew me to you, Julia, was I started beginning to read some of the things that you've been writing. And you have such an eloquent way of putting words out there for people to see visions. And you straddle this ideas of the Eastern philosophies, almost like a Sufi poet. You're bringing it together with like this linear idea of America. Maybe you could bring, maybe you could maybe help people understand how you see the world the way you do. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you were brought up, the influences you had, and what gives you such a unique perspective.
1: Sure. Um, Well, like as we were talking before off camera, um, I grew up in a bicultural family. My dad is from Egypt. My mom is from America. And I think that you start to look, um, you know, anytime you're part of a bicultural marriage, you start to see that there are vastly different perspectives and ways that people grow up in the world. So what values people hold and how they learn to survive in one way and they look at the world um, is very different um, in the West versus the East. Um, And in actually any country and any culture, I'm I'm sure it's the same. Um, I've just found that the philosophical part of it um, really hits home as I like, you know, grown up and kind of have my own experience so i can find myself tapping into advice and perspectives that my father has given me over the years um and then when my mom like in other experiences my mom does the same um she'll speak to me um and i'll see things from her perspective and i'm like wow it's very interesting um sometimes she's right sometimes he's right um but it's It's taken a while to kind of not have those two forces and those two voices combating in my own head um, and to kind of make them compatible. So I try to draw from those both of those things um, when I write, just from that to kind of give people a broader understanding of how I see the world. And it's more holistic rather than um, polarized. Um, I'm right, you're wrong you know, you're bad, I'm good. This is, you know, so those things kind of make you get stuck and go in circles because you don't know how to take a step forward. And I think when you can kind of settle the noise down and realize that both things have value, um, then you can kind of say like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And it doesn't have to be, you know, left or right. It really should be that idea of balance. And you know, as above, so below kind of thing.
0: So, yeah. I love it. On some level, I think that you are, you figured out how to create a roadmap to navigate cognitive dissonance. And so much of that's what's happening in our world today. Like it it is East versus West, right versus wrong, left versus right. Like there's so much polarization there. And I think that that's one of the things that I found in your writings is like, wow, this person is really beginning to show us it's both and, you know, there's this idea of these true contradictions and the 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 idea that the history we've all been taught is sort of his story of what we've been taught and it's not really the truth of it all. Right? Do you see? Right? Isn't it? Isn't it? That's kind of a weird way to look at it, but is is that kind of accurate?
1: No, well, because I think I think you're actually correct. I think like the truth, like, it's all encompassing. So, like, you need the good and you need the bad. You need the right and you need the left. You need the male and you need the female. So there has to be some sort of, like, the yin and the and the yang. Like, I think that we need that. I'm not really sure where everybody got stuck along the way. I started, you know, thinking that I wanted to put my ideas out there when I was looking at my children and like sort of how they were growing up and the things that they were being taught and um of course with the onset of the internet you know i can reflect on my own upbringing and say wow when we were growing up if we had to do a report you know we went to the library we sat in the library for hours. We didn't know if the books in that library—I mean, how do you know if my, like, my Bedford Public Library was like, you know, the Cambridge or Harvard Library? So, what access do I really have at the time? So, your very your knowledge when I grew up was very limited, and I relied a lot on magazines, TV, or commercials. But at that time, there were limited channels. Whatever I mean if you think about how that period of time was and the information was so, you know, fragmented and you were just kind of there now, you know, the kids grow up with all this information at their fingertips. And there's been this explosion of ideas and philosophies and just information that if, if you're curious and you have an interest, you can go look up at like with a touch of a button and you get like, so many things at your fingertips and you're just like, Oh my God, I didn't, I didn't recognize that. Um, I can tell you in my own experience as an athlete, when I was growing up, I relied a lot on magazines when they put athletes or celebrities in magazines. And they were saying like, this is a very good diet, you know, and you're thinking, well, they're very successful and they're, your, your perspective was so narrowed. Um, So you're like relying on that information as truth because you think that that is successful Mm -hmm. and they're telling you the truth because it's on a magazine and it's, that's, what's available to you. So you're like, I'll try and I'll follow that. Um, For me, a lot of the things that they told us as women athletes, now that I've actually gone and studied sports nutrition and really delved into that is like mind boggling. And I'm like, and I get mad. I actually, I get super angry because I'm, the whole marketing of health and wellness is actually not about health and wellness. And it's very fragmented and you're just like, oh my God, people don't really understand about the value of nutrition. I didn't understand that. You know, at the time um, during our generation, calories in and out it didn't account for like being an athlete didn't account for being a woman there were like so many like very small nuances um that you you just wouldn't you just didn't have the time to do that and like you know like i said like it was just such a so much more work for us to go and like discover that and unless you were you know on a phd path um, or, you know, you're insanely like curious, you just wouldn't have that access to that information. So for me now, like the internet is so much fun because you're like, oh, I can just go (laughs) and find out all this stuff. And there's like, you know, there's a, there's a much bigger discussion to be had. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people, that was part of my thing. I think a lot of people are having the same discussions in these isolated silos around the world. And you know, a lot of, sometimes people want to go help and people with influence want to go help and they go to these groups and everybody just wants to kind of use them because they're famous or they have celebrity status, but it, then it becomes, we just want to isolate. We just want to promote our vision, but you're mm-hmm. like, your vision is the same as their vision just with like a different logo <laughs> or, you know, like a different why, for example, like, you know, so but at the end your goals are the same but they never there's you know there's that resistance like two batteries like propelling each other away and i just kind of wanted to find a way to like be like you know instead of us keep going like this like you know there has to be a way to kind of like show people you know it we can unite and we can kind of like bond you know like in a in a different way if you look at things differently um, not everybody's willing to look at it differently um, and I think that comes down to beliefs and values and your willingness to be open um, to different ideas so that's sort of um, that's sort of what like the things that I've learned along the way and um, how I've kind of expanded my horizon and you know use that in my writing
0: yeah it's really well said it it makes me think of you know when the, instrument becomes institutionalized we it loses its edge you know when you when you speak to the idea of i remember the wheaties box remember like the wheaties box like there would be the athlete on and be like yeah that's what i want to be and on some level like that was the beginning of the and there's a great book called um back to the 80s and they talk about the way in which cartoons for generation x went from being sort of this you know it went from being a show for kids to an infomercial for products. The instrument became an institution. And so much of that was what we, our generation saw. So we still have this idea of, okay, we're going to go to the library. We're going to learn about this thing. We're also probably all of us were trained in some sports, which is an echo back to the classical education of like, let's train our body and our mind. And so on some level, what you're doing, when I see in your writings is this, this idea, this hearkening back to, okay, you're the bridge. Like your writings are a bridge back to a time when the instrument was sharp. Like I I see that in what you're doing. It's awesome. And I love it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I really do. I I really am writing actually. If someone asked me like, why are you doing this? Like it was really for my children. Like I was, I was really upset. um, Actually when they went to school, And I started to, like, look at the school system and I was like, you know, and I just I live in one of the like they say it's like the top school district. I mean, everybody, everybody tries to move somewhere where the school district is going to be good for their children. So that was one of the deciding factors to live where I live now. But when you go in a public school system, you start to see it becomes very bureaucratic and they put emphasis on very different things and you, you actually can see them break the children down. And I think that was my biggest heartache, like they lose a sense of their humanity um, within the school system. And it's, it's very hard because I think a lot of the mental struggles that the kids start to have when they're teenagers is they get lost. Because they don't have that flexibility in their brain anymore to really be who they are. They're stuck in this very rigid, like, you wouldn't think so, right? Because it's, you know, it's it looks open. Everything seems like it's open, but it's, it's still very much archaic and outdated. And no matter if they have the internet and they have the science lab and all of that stuff is nice and shiny and they have the av like it's it's still the component about how the teachers interact with the students that hierarchy of like you know sit here and learn and i'm telling you but that i think learning is a very organic process yeah. like i learn from you you learn from me we dialogue like you have a different perspective i have a different perspective like it it just, that's the way that it goes. But I think, so that's really what broke my heart was watching my children kind of struggle with that. And then trying to understand how I broke out of that um, in my own mind, because I think I, you know, I spent a lot of time outside of school because I had a passion for volleyball. So anytime I could leave school to go play sports, I was like, see you later. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was more fun to me. And I think my, my sports training from my coaches and from my father and from my teammates gave me a more valuable education in how to go forward than anything that I could have learned at school, because I can pick up a book and I can go sit with someone who's more learned than me now. And I can have those, like I have different skill sets to be able to like collaborate with someone rather than if I had only developed my academic side. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that I would be able to do the same thing. And I really wanted to give that to my children. I wanted to be like, look, there's, there's this component to who we are as human beings. Like, you know, this idea that everything is like, if you, Get straight A's if you go to that school, if you get a job, if you, you know, like if you do all those steps, you're gonna get that perfect life. And I'm like, but it, they find out pretty soon. And I think, you know, more and more because the competition is getting more, they realize, you know, I think there's that rebellion in the younger generation. I think they're all like, why do we have to go to school? I just wanna go get a job or I wanna be an influencer. And they think they're gonna make a lot of money without any hard work. Um, But maybe part of what they say is true you know why do you guys work so hard why do you guys work so much but that was our that was our structure that was the way that we our generation built and survived but um i just don't think that it works i don't think that it's healthy for people i think you know i i struggled with it a long time like for my entire life trying to figure out like why do I have all of this like I want to give and I want to like participate in my way and I was always kind of like muted or like sit down wait your turn um and you know and then you're just like you you become depressed you become kind of like withdrawn and you're just like oh this is the way that it is and then
0: yeah
1: you know so that's sort of um that's really why I became passionate. It was really just kind of like to help my kids and just kind of say like, everybody needs to look at the next generation, um, and kind of say like, you know, we're all, we're all victims, us, our parents, the generation before. So none of us are like, get out without being wounded from whatever structures that we grew up in. But now I think we're like at that edge. Um, And if we keep barreling forward, I mean, all the statistics are there, right? Like when you look at America, suicide is like the second cause of death among like teenagers. I mean, I went to a PTA meeting and they they were talking about that. Like I cried actually because it was so impactful and it was just like a talking point to people. And I'm like, this is a very big, there's like a very big problem. You know, you're not going to put a bandaid on it with just saying, like, here's a helpline and, you know, like, what's going on? What's going on with them? Like, what's going on with our systems? There's something, you know, I think children are that canary in the coal mine kind of thing. So and they're innocent in most situations. Um, so I think the younger you can go and kind of see um, how our decisions collectively as adults impact children, you you might take a step back and be like, oh wait, that maybe that's not maybe that's not good because <laughs> like it's not about me and you but battling up here. Like look what it's doing to them. And I don't think I don't think we pause enough to really think about that. We're just we're very short sighted in a lot of our decisions and our policies and the way we have done things. I think COVID showed that a lot actually, um, and. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of issues with the kids right now and people are like, why? And the information is there. But again, it's very hard to have a conversation because everybody's polarized and I think people are very reluctant to admit we were wrong or I was wrong, or, you know, that wasn't the right thing to do. I think people are afraid of the backlash or the shame, um, maybe. I'm not really a hundred percent sure. Or money it could be money.
0: Yeah, I think it's all of those. I think that we have been conditioned by fear ever since we were a child. And when you look at the way in which we we put our kids to school, it's like this Prussian model of authority, where you stand in front of an authoritarian figure. You stand in front of an authoritarian figure, and you're. Train like a Pavlovian dog with bells and whistles and have to ask for permission. Like at a very young age, you're conditioned to be fearful. And if you're scared your whole life, are you gonna stand up against the boss? Are you gonna stand up against authority? Yeah, right. you have to. You must, and that's where sports come in. Sports teaches right. you mental toughness. Like, I'm gonna punch this guy in the face. You know, what I right. mean? Okay, you can't punch him, but maybe if you're a wrestler, you could take him down, you could beat him. If you're on a team, you can collectively get together and figure out how to destroy that other team. You know, and right. that, that, that is this human spirit being led out to, to go and, and conquer and discover and hunt. Like that's what we need as humans, but that's also the thing that authority fears the most. So of course they're going to try to suppress that. Right. I love what you're doing for your kids. And I, but to, to bring it back full circle, fear, is this very thing that is the epidemic. And I think that that speaks to the true epidemic of what COVID showed us. Fear, scared, right. be afraid. And COVID is like, COVID woke some people up like, I'm not scared. Go ahead. What are you can do to me? And that helped yeah. people break free of that. And like, that's the spirit that I want people to begin to embrace. And I want them to walk away from things that they hate. If you're in a place you don't like, leave show your child that you have the courage to stand up and do what's right so that your child will do it. We can sit here and talk all day long about, listen, you know, I'm telling my kid to do these things and that thing. But if you get up and you go to work and do something you hate, that's what you're teaching your kid. And your kid's going to do that. You have to find the courage to be the change you want to see in the world.
1: Yeah, that's true. There's a good quote I think I read once, like fear and faith operate in the same area of your brain. So you can't really have fear and faith like Absolutely. at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So I it's, do. it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting concept, especially for me um, because I like I I'm, I consider myself Muslim. I practice faith, but when you look at it from a cultural point of view in the Middle East, when they talk about religion they're talking about a fear of God all the time, like you should fear God, you should fear God, you should fear God, you're going to get punished, you're going to get punished. And, you know, let's assume that that's true, right? Like we have an authority that we should abide by because we're in like, as humans, we, we obviously need some sort of divine guidance, or like, or, you know, we wouldn't be in this kind of like predicament that we are. So somewhere along the way, either divine guidance has got misconstrued and we don't i mean i often wonder if we were on an island and there was like nobody there if there were two human beings would they figure out how to coexist or would they just kill each other i i don't know you know but, yeah, it's <laughs> but i don't know what went wrong in our psyche for us to like to do this you know and we obviously have all these like different parts of ourselves hardwired you know our reptilian brain our conscious mm-hmm. brain you know, there's all these kinds of things. Um, But I think I lost track of what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> no, we were just talking about the, the people on the island and reptilian brains and how we got the fear of God. Yeah, oh, for
1: fear and faith. Thank you. Um Yeah, but so it, it would be – it, it's a much different walk if you're yeah. walking in faith and you're, like, you love God. Like, I'm doing this because I love what I do. I'm doing this because I – Like my life is a reflection that I do like have faith. So it's, it's reflected. So it's, it's not necessarily in, you know, monetarily, I think you can go and you can find those people in the world that have like, they're very, they have very good integrity and they have that character and you're like, oh, wow. Like he leads that he lives his life with such honor and integrity. Um, it doesn't have to be a specific faith or anything. It's just a character, you know, a whole bunch of character traits, but on some level, that person is abiding by to his own belief system, his own faith thoughts, um, not fear. Um, because I think fear is a very different and fear is a very limiting belief system. You know, like you want to, you know, everybody talks about like manifestation and abundance, like. How can you be like thinking in abundance if you're like feared, like, you know, right now, like everybody's like, Oh, we don't have money. We don't have money, you know, because no one wants to give money because everybody got hurt during the pandemic. So you see all the businesses pulling back, you see people pulling back, you see customer service pulling back. Like no one's really willing to be like, let's build it back and put the money into the system in the right way,
0: not in the old
1: way. Like, in the right way, but like they're, you know, we're like, we're stuck on that kind of like that ledge, like everybody just needs to kind of jump off together and be like, (laughs) you know, like we have to, like, if we want to be, if we want to think that it's abundance, it's that's the way for us to go, but you can't, you can't be abundant and you can't be fearful. You can't have faith and have fear at the same time. It just, you have to let go of one. and sort of step from there so um i like to think about like always because i think i can catch myself sometimes and i'm like okay like negative but you can't you can't be negative and positive like you have to you have to let it go and i don't also believe in that you know that toxic positivity because yeah yeah you know like yeah because things happen to people and they're really hard and people get sick and people lose things. And they're really like, I think we need to like feel that like the pandemic I think hurt so many people. And I don't even think that any of us were allowed to feel like our grief and like sadness about it and like really like how traumatic that was not for like, like for everybody, um, for the whole world, like everybody got shut down and impacted in like some way. So I don't think anyone, maybe if people think you know they made a billion dollars that time that they weren't impacted but at some point if you look at the world right now does a billion dollars really matter (laughs) like as we're all barreling forward like are you gonna go live on another planet not yet (laughs) there's nowhere else to go (laughs) so um yeah i think um yeah, I just think that that's a very interesting. Like, I try to hold on to that a lot. And I, it always, that quote always resonated with me. Um, so,
0: it's a beautiful one. And I, I've, I, I don't know that I've ever taken time to think about it. I can't wait to spend some time with that and understand that, that both fear and, and faith operate on that same system. And it makes sense. You know, when you are taking a leap of faith, you have to put fear to the to the side and, and take that leap of faith. And I w- I would challenge people to think about the most rewarding times in their life and were you fearful or were you faithful?
1: Right. 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 It's very interesting. Um I think you have to be faithful that like you'll get through it. Right. Um, you know, you might be fearful up until you take that sure. step. Right? So you're like, you have fear, you have fear, you have fear, but at some point to make the change, you have to cross over. So I think, yeah. So it's like, you need the fear to have the faith, but they cannot coexist forever in that balance. So that's what I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I You know, when you're pouring the gas on the boats, it's okay. But when you light the match to burn them, you're a little fearful.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Is this the
0: right thing? Ah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> It's interesting. You know, you've written quite a bit. Well, you've recently written an article and I think we talked briefly about it is the global breakdown of COVID-19 and and the window for a reset. It's there's some there's some relentless growth and you know, we get into maybe you could talk a little bit about the ideas of of um efficiency and productivity and and, and colossal disruption equals unparalleled opportunity. Maybe you could touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, we saw it, right? Sure. Like we we all experienced it. Um, everything broke down. And I, depending on what you read, it was like manufactured to be worse than it needed to be. Or, okay. you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, it just, it was completely disrupted and it was just very difficult for everybody to manage forward. And I think, um, what was interesting actually is to kind of, if you're internationally curious and you pay attention to like the news, like first it was Italy and Italy was like, Hey America, pay attention. This is coming your way. And we were kind of like, yeah. (laughs) You know, like nobody heeded any warning and nobody was paying attention to what was going on in those countries. Um, And it's, I think you just, you saw different countries handle it very differently. And you saw countries, um, I I do think that they tried to make a uniform um, protocol um, to keep people safe. Um, But this, this also comes down to you know everybody's idea of health there's a very interesting discussion in japan right now um i like watching the culture of japan and the country of japan is very fascinating from what i hear from people i've never been there but um you know they're just a very considerate culture You know if when you talk to people about going to japan everybody's like it's so clean you wouldn't even imagine the subways are so clean the people are so polite like maybe they're not as friendly as people think and because you don't speak the language and you're not living there so i and i don't know because i've never been but when the airlines here have a problem especially recently i think they got disrupted Everybody was complaining and on TikTok and they were like, look at these airlines. Like we're trying to we're stuck in here for like three or four days and we can't get out and we can't get our flights and we're going to the people behind the desk and the people behind the desk in America were like shutting down, ignoring them or just coming back with like human resources statements like, sir, you can't talk to me like that. Don't raise your voice to me like that and not really like. In Japan, when they had their breakdown of the airlines, the entire airline staff went in the the airport and they like bowed to the customers. And they gave, they gave them like, you know, we're sorry for this inconvenience, like just like to settle everybody down. And you're just like, why can that culture do that? And like, what's wrong with actually America, <laughs> like that? aren't we the greatest country in the world that we and like with the i mean people talk about our customer service everywhere you know because we're so efficient and we're so you know call this company and they'll fix this and maybe not so much now because of automation but that used to be our that used to be our like shining glory for america and now you look at it and you're just like wow what happened to this and like really like, where did we go as a country? Because something that disruptive, actually, if if we were investing in the right things, if we were um, building our infrastructure, right, if we were training our people the right way, it it shouldn't have been that disruptive. It shouldn't have been that polarized. It shouldn't have broken down our society that much. Um, I don't even think we've seen the impact yet to certain policies and the disruption that was done. Like, I think it's Coming in like waves. Um, And I'm not sure that we're prepared um, individually for that kind of impact. Um, And I think that we're definitely at a place where we're going to have to collaborate no matter what. Like, I think that's going to be the way of the future. Like, you're going to have to say, what skills do you have? What resources do you have? Are mine also, you know? collaborative with you? Are we in synergy? Like, how can we use our resources to like rebuild something together? Because we're not strong anymore on our own, because we were all broken and isolated and we lost too much individually. So it has to be kind of rewire towards that kind of, um, thinking. So I, in that way, I think that it's good, but I think that you just saw really, a lot of things are so inefficient and right. and and depending where you live i think you just get like you know i'm only in america but when i go to other countries like that are ahead of us in certain areas you're just like why do they have a bullet train already and why don't we have one And why is it so hard for us to do that and what you know why why are our food laws so know complicated why do they have better food laws why are they stricter than ours (laughs) like you know there's a lot of things that i think came to the surface especially when you're looking at the holistic like if you're looking at a human being and you're like what does this person need just to like be healthy and just kind of have a basic simple life you know not an extravagant optimal life just the basic part you're just kind of like we messed up the basic part like you know like we don't really have access to like fresh air clean water good food um if you're fortunate enough to be in the upper echelons of society then yes but as a collective i don't think so
0: yeah i i couldn't agree i couldn't agree more one thing that covid and tragedies do in general is they bring about one of the most powerful things in human history. And that's the question. Why, why, why don't we have that? Why is that person over there? Why am I like this? You know, I think it was Socrates who talks about the one question you should always ask is, is that true? And I think that's right. Like that's such a foundational human condition. And and that's what, that's what we're doing collectively as a society. I think that's what you're speaking to and your writing does is like, Is this true? Like it's just shining a light through these things. And how come they have a bullet train? You know, here in Hawaii, it's an incredible way to see the world because it's a big city, but everybody knows everybody. And they have what they call the coconut wireless over here. So, like, you're going to find out what happens, you know, and you realize, oh, this family's owned this plot of land forever. That's not going to go through over there. That ain't going to happen. And you go, hey, that's what happens in my country. Hey, that's what happens in the world. And You can really begin to understand supply chain by looking at like an island economy and being like, oh, it's just fractal. You know, it's so, it's it's both incredibly liberating and humiliating. It's like a little child who pees their pants in class. You know, you're like, oh oh gosh, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's so crazy. It is crazy. Where are you in Hawaii? (laughs)
0: I'm on Oahu, so I'm far from the from the Maui fires. However, it's okay. it's it's so fascinating to see how many billionaires have moved over here in the last like ten years, and to see, hey, there was a there's a smart city going over there. Hey, how come Jeff Bezos just gave a hundred million dollars to the cleanup? Like, I wonder if there's any strings attached to that hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Like, right. and I hate to be cynical, but like you can't not, not be cynical. Like, and like the, you just see things happening in a way that. If if we can agree that our lives are a series of patterns, behaviors are patterns, and we can see them in our lives, then we can see them in business, we can see them in community, right. we can see them in rebuilding things. We can even see it in the the positive ways of creative destruction if we choose to go down that particular route. Like maybe this right. is necessary. You know, it's 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 fascinating. And I'm not judging them or using it as a pejorative. I'm just saying, like, look at these patterns. You know, am I making them up? Or are they patterns? Or do you guys see them? It's it's interesting.
1: It is really interesting. But that's good you're safe and you're not yes. like affected so much. So that's really good. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah it's very interesting. I think, you know, I, it's like wars anyway. Like yeah. have we gotten to the point where we realize it's a lose-lose for everybody involved? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's a it's a big investment and then everybody's like the promise to rebuild, but every time we do that, like there's so much collateral damage um the bombs that are like left in the fields the toxic chemicals that are there like the who cleans up that kind of thing it's um it's i just think we've outgrown that pattern as you said like and i think we've outgrown that way of like working and i just you know it, it seems very simple and elementary about like you know like okay we've we've just, we figured out how to destroy humanity. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. We did it. So, okay. You know, we did it and we can be the worst of the worst and we can see like the most ugly side of ourselves. Um, But, you know, until what, like our own destruction, because that's where we're headed. Right. And I don't think there's anyone on the planet, no matter how much money that they have, that they really can save themselves. Like, You know, they can tell us that they, like, found a new planet or that they have a a bunker somewhere or their house is equipped with, like, you know, I don't know, fireproof, earthquake-proof, you know, any kind of natural disaster. They have their own farm. But I think that's a very interesting thing, too. Like, when you look at just farming or, like, and people saying, like, I only eat organic. And I'm like, what does that mean? Do, because... That cloud went up from the ocean. The ocean has chemicals or that lake has chemicals. It was, you know, it was up in the cloud or the planes and the toxic like stuff that they spray in the skies for, you know, pesticides or whatever. That's all like swirling around. So we like live in this toxic soup and everything, you know, the groundwater runs everywhere. The soil runs everywhere. You can't. Like, what are you going to do? Put a partition all the way down to like the center of the earth to make sure that like, you know, your plot of land is not, a. you can't, you can't, it's impossible. So you can, you can eliminate as much as possible. Like, that's why I think it's very interesting when you like look at health, like I try to be healthy. I'm sure you try to be healthy, but on some level, it's like a blessing from your immune system and from like your circumstances, right? Because every day is like a new day and your body's confronted with like whatever invisible, you know, viruses or bacteria or like emotional problems or stress or whatever. So you don't know what your body's gonna handle and you just hope you give it the tools to like fight that. But at certain point, the environment starts to like be overwhelming and you're like i can't even be healthy in this environment because like it's just not a healthy environment like i'm trying to be healthy but it's you know it's funny because you're just kind of like i can't like what is this i can't really i can't really be as healthy that i as i should be because i don't you know those environmental factors are uncontrollable and you can't get out of it like i Unless I keep myself in a bubble and, you know, I monitor my air and I like monitor my food, but I like, I personally wouldn't want to live like that. <laughs> um, So I, it's very interesting to kind of like look at it from that point of view. Like none of us are immune to what's going on. I just think that all of us have to have that sort of like compassion to kind of look, as I said, like, look at children. And if we look at American children, we tend to focus, we always look at like, the better things of society, but if you look at children and you go in America, there it's bad. But then we can go over to like Yemen mm. and look at those children and be like, "Well, that's really bad. Like, how long have they been starving? <laughs> fifteen years. Like, none of us like could come up with a solution in fifteen years to come, you know, to to kind of put an end to that at all, and like kind of." save them or do something um i don't know if it's a selfish streak in the human nature or we just really we're all sleeping um and we haven't woken up to those kind of realities um but i there's a there's another quote like being healthy um in a profoundly sick, sick society mm-hmm. is like a revolution You know, because you're rebelling against the status quo because you're just like, wait, I don't want to do I don't like I'm not going to I'm not going to drink Coca-Cola, even though the athletes are marketing it to me, because I know that that's really bad. And Coca-Cola as a company really didn't put their policies in order. Like, you know, they're all over the world. They're a great company. They have marketing. They do amazing advertisements every year that actually have the potential to like impact and change people's perspective and bring people's to get people together but their company i don't know i didn't really look at their financial statements but where are they investing their money are they supporting wars are they supporting policies are they supporting politicians like you know it's so when you start to look at it that way, you're just like, okay, I'll just take small steps. I think that's what the vegan industry has. Like those people who try to, they take it to the extreme. um, But I think that's where their heart is. You know, they're just trying to like not hurt anything else. (laughs) They're like, we want a company, you know, that really cares about the holistic, you know, animals and like nature and environment and like making sure it's clean. Um, that kind of
0: thing. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It's well said. And I think it sums up so much of where we're at as an organism. And when I say organism, I mean like a super organism, like, right. Right. I, I feel, I feel on some level and this may be spiritual, but I feel on some level we've gotten to this point where like, okay, the same way a child can die during birth, and that's why you have a miracle of birth. So too are we at a precipice where something is being born, and it can die. Like if mm-hmm. we continue to move down this world of, you know, high pressure extraction for the sake of extraction, like what do we, we have no, we have zero common goals. We have, we we don't have any shared sacrifice. We have no shared goals. We have a few people constantly running away from the crimes they're committing and we're all guilty like we're all playing a part in it but i think that on some level that's what ai as a tool is doing it's like hey you think this is scary you know why ai is scary because ai is you ai is a reflection of who you are what you do and i'm going to show it to you all the time now and it's like we're either going to wake up and start being like okay we've got to change and we have to be better and here's all these problems and like we, we need to do something about it and that that it's like it's like if you have a toothache and you don't do anything about it, all of a sudden it gets super bad to you, you can't ignore it. Like I feel like the world is showing us, like, dude, you got a giant toothache, what are you gonna do? It's gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until you have to do something. Inspiration right. or desperation, right?
1: I think, yeah, that's actually that's a really good like saying. Yeah. But that's really what it is. I I think we're gonna have to wait until it gets really bad because. I, you know, unfortunately, I think the signs are there that it's been bad, and I, no one's, no, no one's really taken the initiative to have these. Um, I think there's a there's a trending hashtag. It's called courageous discourse, mm. and I think that's what everybody needs to to do in their own small silos is really yeah. have the courage to have these really hard and difficult conversations but I don't think we should be scared about them. I think we should be like learning from them and be like, yes, it is hard to talk about these things. And this is really sucky. Um, and you know, this is a major problem. It's going to be really bad if we don't talk about it. Yeah. It's going to be really bad if we don't do anything about it. Um, and I, but I, unfortunately I think we're just going to be put up against a wall. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure. I start to see a lot of like um, influential people who have, you know, kind of lean towards a new way of thinking and kind of that paradigm shift. So they start to be more vocal and they start to try to like influence more people. So I'm not really sure how that looks as more and more people wake up and kind of recognize. I think people who are already awake, like you or like me, that kind of... Well, you can kind of see the landscape, and you're you're willing to face that reality right now. Like, I think we will have to like catch those people and be like, "Yeah, it sucks," and you know, and, <laughs> and it's welcome. really, it's, yeah, it's really <laughs> Exactly, welcome, come on on. We'll, we're gonna get, we're gonna get better together. We're gonna get better, you know, like we're gonna. We're going to figure out, like, I'll share what I've learned already and, like, how to help and how to heal or how to, like, bypass those things or what I've learned. And you share what you've learned or, like, you know, and we just kind of, like, usher those people along in their own, you know, awakening. Um, But, yeah, unfortunately, I don't know if it's going to be, like, a light switch or it's going to be, you know, divine guidance that comes down somehow, maybe in the form of a natural disaster. Mm -hmm. I hope it's not that way because I don't think we need any more disasters. But yeah, so um, yeah.
0: I see it on some level. I think you're speaking exactly to it. And I think it happens slow at first and then all at once. And every individual finding the courage to become better in themselves, whether it's going for a walk whether it's leaving something you hate, whether it's trying to inspire people, whether it is finding your own authentic gift and using it as a light to shine on the pathway forward for other people. That radical self, you know, self-awareness, self-respect, self-care, self-responsibility, this idea of all of us taking responsibility for ourselves. I think opens up our arms to everybody else and welcomes them in and when each one of us begins cleaning up our own and personal environment that has a radical shift on society and when it's like you know what i'm responsible for this like look what on. why is my house such a mess you know i never clean up the co- my coffee cup is still sitting right here in the morning damn what's wrong with me you start figuring that out of a sudden, you clean up your your area. You start cleaning up your house. All of a sudden, you start talking to your neighbor, and it becomes this contagion. The same way that the COVID fear was contagious and spread throughout the world, so too can our radical self-responsibility spread throughout the world. And it can be blowing on that ember that starts the fire of transformation in the minds of men and women that changes. I, I see it happening with your writings and the people I talk to, and it's inspiring. I love what you're doing, and I... I hope everybody listening to this takes the time to start reading some of your articles because I think it is blowing on the
1: inverse. Yeah, well, I hope that it is. I think think you're right. You know, when they tell people, do you ever see people who want to get healthy and they like, you know, uh, they reached a point and they're like, I want to get healthy and they go to a personal trainer and the personal trainer is like, okay, you can only eat 2,200 calories and you can never have a piece of cake and you need to exercise (laughs) two hours a day. That person has like a breakdown. They're like, oh my God, I'm never going to. I'm never gonna get to my goal but actually it's like really simple like you could just tell that person just start drinking water and don't drink juice and Mm -hmm. do that for two weeks and see if you can do that then we'll go on to something more like more complicated or we'll integrate another step into that but you can break it down into these very very small simple steps like it doesn't have to be this like complicated like you know, and I don't think that, you know, a lot of the change that we want to be, it doesn't have to like it's holistic. It doesn't have to be so rigid, you know, like yeah. we're we're not supposed to like there's an organic growth to who we are. There, you know, it's supposed to, you know, learning is supposed to be organic. You're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to fail and learn again and like try and learn again. Like when you ride a bike, you're supposed to fall off
0: and then you don't <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite stories about riding a bike was when I was teaching my daughter to ride a bike and you know she got to the point where we took the training wheels off and I'm I'm holding the seat and the steering wheel or the, the handlebars and like I let her go and she and she falls down and she was so pissed off she grabbed her, threw it down i yeah, I can't do it. This is so dumb. I hate this. You know, all of it. All of it. And I went over and I just I tried to give her a holiday. like, stop. Stop. Listen. Look at me. So what? I'm like, look where you started at. You started way over by that fire hydrant. And right. She went like this. <gasps> she picked the bike up and started going again. But sometimes it's just, yeah, you're going to crash. But just stop and look where you started you've made progress. It's not the goal. It's not the destination. It's the progress. It's that first step. It's the drinking water. It's the, look, you've made progress. Build on that. Like you've done it already. What are you talking about? You can't do. You already did it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's a a famous neuroscience who gained a lot of popularity during COVID. Um, Huberman, I think he has a podcast, Huberman yeah. Labs. Yeah. I think he he just was saying something about a study and it was about children. And I think he was saying that what they found was that there were two groups. The children who re- received constant praise, just like you're great, you're wonderful, you know, you're amazing. Um, which is that again, a toxic positivity kind of, you know, side. And then the other group was. You know they would fail and then the person would come just as you did with your daughter and say try again that was good effort don't give up and th- over time there was that group of kids that became successful it you know so he was like it's very interesting and it's very clear you know especially looking at these two groups of children like that is really like, we don't need this constant, you know, and I think our society really is kind of like that. We like praise people so much like, oh, you got, you know, oh, you made a billion dollars. Great. You know, like, so we're like praising them, but it's really like the rest of us, how many of us are going to make a billion dollars? We don't know. So like, you have to just kind of, you know, make your efforts small, um, and kind of, push people in that direction to build their life and to build their success little by little in their own, in their own way, like for whatever their destiny and their life kind of unfolds for them.
0: It touches on so much. It touches on so much mysterious ground and beauty and so much of the human experience to think about the way in which a legacy is Is left the family or is it left to the number one person that knows more? You know what I mean? Is it going to, well, like, there's so much rich history that like, it's going go to go down this avenue. And then, and then it just from that point forward, two camps, you know what I mean? And on some level I can see, you know, I, I just see it playing out. Like I see, I worked for a fortune 500 company and I saw the people there that took over and I'm like, this person never worked a day in their life and now they're a leader here. Like, I, And it was so it's so mesmerizing to me in so many ways. And I'm like, how could they not make mistakes? It's almost not fair. I'm like, I feel bad for him. And so I was like, dude, how can they not ruin it?
1: How can they not? Right. Man? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny though. Like when you can have it that is. kind of, yeah, it, it is funny. Cause you're, I think on some way it's good because that means that you have compassion because that yeah. person is stepping into something and you're just kind of like, you can see it from the outside and you're just like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna try to help this person they need a lot of it. and and in some ways i think you can see that people who see that have also taken a good look at themselves and been like i need a lot of help what the hell am i doing here because you can only you can really see things of people that you see in yourself right so when you right. see that that lack you're like that's an echo of me that person's showing me i need some help over here so yeah yeah
1: <laughs> that's true that's very true but I think the best people are the people who can admit that they need help or that they're yeah. a little crazy inside. And you're just like, yes, I am. But that's OK. You know, like we all are. But yeah. I think the best people are the ones who can like look at themselves and be like, yep, that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Julia, I can't believe we've talked for an hour. I We're coming oh, wow. up on, on the time. I know I, we could, you and I could probably talk for four hours and it would feel like. Thirty minutes. This has been really, really fun. Yeah, every,
1: Thank
0: you. Right? Isn't it a good conversation? Yeah, it it's be. been
1: a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> so, for everybody that is paying attention to this podcast, I'm going to link to to um, Hermetic Health and your writings there. I'll put your LinkedIn profile in there. And I think everybody that enjoyed this conversation, you should reach out to Julia and check out the articles that she's writing. She's an incredible, inspiring, not only thinker but just wait till you read how she writes. Like it's, it's poetic in nature. I feel like I'm hearkening back to the Sufi poets and it's, it's beautiful. I love the way you write it. So I look forward to reading it. And I think that that's what inspires people to want to continue to read it and not only read it, but think so deeply about it. So thank you very, very much for your contributions today. Looking forward to seeing what you have on the coming next. But where can people find you and what do you have coming up and what are you excited about?
1: Um, right now I'm just freelancing. So, um, I did jump on a project with a friend of mine. Um, she has a sustainable fashion line, so I'm working with her. Um, her company is Optimus made. Um, she's trying to help up and coming de- like designers, um, all over the world, um, get more exposure. Oh, I like your cat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a cat too.
0: <laughs> Imagine that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but really, I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn because I I was using Instagram for a while um, and I got censored and so I couldn't really do my posts the way that I wanted to do them. Um, so I I started just posting the the information without my thoughts on Instagram for a while and then I just sort of trans over transitioned over to LinkedIn. Um, and I sort of use that as a professional network at the moment, just kind of reach out with people, whatever they're doing, if they wanted to collaborate, if they wanted insight, if they wanted me to write something, if they wanted to write something together. Um, it's just, I'm sort of like a free agent at the moment, just willing to, you know, as for Medica Health said, like I'm looking to work with those people or, who are building those things and you know, with wellness in mind. Like I'm not interested in working in the old paradigm anymore. I really wanna work with people who are like, we see the landscape now, and we know that our company or my business or, you know, whatever we're offering the world needs to kind of be in alignment with that shift. Like what are the small things or big things that we, or the messaging that we can do to kind of take our company in that direction. Um, so I would just say like LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's such a great community. There's so many people there that you can find that resonate with, with the things you want to resonate with. And there's so many cool groups there. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me, kind of reminds me of the horse races. Like when you go to the track, you can see millionaires hugging homeless people because they won on the same horse, you know? And in some ways on LinkedIn, you can see the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know, hugging this guy. It's so funny. But yeah. we have a we have a shared goal and shared vision over there. And it's a really inspiring community to see. And so. But, yeah,
1: well, that's how we met. So. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. It's fascinating so, to me.
1: Yeah, me too. But this is really fun and you're a great host and you have a lot of energy. So it's a lot of fun. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. The pleasure's all mine. And I, I hope people will take this invitation to learn more about you because it's well worthwhile. And I I think I think that your name not being in lights or being really widely distributed in different periodicals and magazines and papers is short-lived. So I hope you're prepared for that. It's oh. it's probably coming down the pipe. So that's all uh, we got for today. Yeah, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, check her out. Go read what she has to say, reach out to her. If you are someone who is finding themselves and wanting to be part of this paradigm shift and move into the new world that is emerging right now, and now is the best opportunity for it, please reach out. That's all we got for today. Hang on one second. Julie, I'm going to talk to you afterwards, but sure. i to hang up with other people here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for today. I hope you realize that you're about to have the best weekend of your life. It's coming. I promise you. Look for the little miracles that are happening. The earth talks to us, through us. That's all we got for
1: today. Aloha. Bye